Hello, everyone. I'm Gary Urbanowitz, your host for this Throwback FDNY podcast. Each show has three segments going back in time about the FDNY and its history. You can listen to all of the past episodes by going to the website of the New York City Fire Museum at nycfiremuseum.org slash throwbackfdny and choosing the digital platform you use for listening to podcasts. Now let's start this month's show. In this episode of Throwback FDNY, in 1867, the New York Fire Patrol is named. In 1938, former Manhattan-based volunteer firefighter Alexander Cartwright Jr. is inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And in 1958, a fire on Worcester Street in Manhattan claims the lives of two firefighters and four fire patrolmen. Regardless of whether you live in the 21st century or lived back in the 18th century, if your home is on fire, there's a natural, though ill-advised, tendency to attempt to save your belongings. Well, when life was simpler, residents had canvas salvage bags into which they would hastily throw their meager possessions as they fled their burning home. On March 3, 1762, a handful of individuals established the Hand-in-Hand Fire Company, not to fight fires, but to provide assistance to families in New York under such devastating circumstances. They arrived on the scene with salvage bags to remove and save the affected families' possessions. Over time, salvage companies were formed in New York City and the city of Brooklyn. The Mutual Assistance Bag Company was organized by 65 prominent residents of Manhattan to help each other. Their procedures were stated as follows. Quote, Upon an alarm of fire, every member with his hat and bags shall repair to the house or store most in danger belonging to any of the company and endeavor to the utmost of his power to save their effects by carefully conveying them to some convenient and proper place and to prevent the embezzlement of the same. And in case no such house or store belonging to any of the company be in danger, then each member shall give his assistance where he deems it most proper. End quote. The practice of protecting and saving property during a fire remained a volunteer effort until 1835, when the Association of Fire Insurance Companies hired four men to, quote, protect their interest by preserving property exposed to fire and damage thereto by water. End quote. This was a shift. Now the fire insurance companies were protecting their own financial interests by reducing the loss that insured individuals might claim. The concept evolved over time as a function of the fire insurance industry. In 1858, the Association of Fire Insurance Companies expanded their efforts to respond to the growing city by hiring 40 men that they called the Fire Police Force. And when the association became the New York Board of Fire Underwriters in 1867, they changed the name of this force to the New York Fire Patrol. Now, those of you that follow FDNY history will certainly recognize this name. The New York Fire Patrol worked side by side with the FDNY to protect property. However, as time went on, their focus shifted from residents to commercial establishments. Think back, if you can, to a time long before the digital age, when files and documents were all on paper and their contents generated on typewriters, not computers. But unlike their organizational ancestors, the fire patrol did not carry items out of the fire building. They covered them with special tarpaulins to protect them from water and heat damage. 
clearly a very important activity to save their employer's money. Although their job was clearly not firefighting, they nevertheless had to enter the same hazardous environment as firefighters, and therefore wore the same protective gear. The only difference in the gear between members of the New York Fire Patrol and the New York Fire Department was their distinctive red helmets. Unfortunately, as technology brought new equipment to the commercial environment, less and less became usable or desirable after being exposed to the excessive heat and moisture of a fire. So on October 15th, 2006, the New York Fire Patrol was disbanded. It was the last salvage corps to have operated in the United States. The patrol has left a legacy of members that made the supreme sacrifice, starting with patrolman John Carmen, who died on October 30th, 1853. The last patrol member to be killed was patrolman Keith Roma, who perished along with so many other first responders to the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001. A memorial plaque bearing the names of the patrol's 32 fallen members, formerly in their offices at the New York Board of Fire Underwriters, is now on display at the New York Fire Academy on Randall's Island. Hello everyone, I'm Jennifer Brown, the new executive director of the New York City Fire Museum. Thank you for listening to our Throwback FDNY podcast. We invite you to become a member of our wonderful cultural institution in Lower Manhattan. We preserve the history of the fire department in New York City, educate the public on fire and life safety, and celebrate the wonderful traditions of the FDNY. To learn more about our membership program and the perks it offers, go to nycfiremuseum.org. Alexander Cartwright Jr. was born in New York City on April 17, 1820. He was a bookseller by trade and a volunteer firefighter with Knickerbocker Engine Company 12. While a member of Engine 12, Cartwright became involved in playing town ball, a game similar to baseball, on a vacant lot at 4th Avenue and East 27th Street. In 1845, the lot became unavailable for use, and the group was forced to look for another location. They found a playing field, the Elysian Field, in Hoboken, New Jersey. Cartwright organized a club, so that he could collect the money needed to pay for the rental of the field. On September 23, 1845, the club was named the Knickerbockers, after the fire company. In order for the game to be played in a more formal, professional manner, Cartwright devised the Knickerbocker Rules, which form the basis of today's rules of baseball. The first clearly documented match between two baseball clubs under these rules took place on June 19, 1846, between the New York Knickerbockers and the New York Nine. The Knickerbockers lost by a score of 23-1. to 1. The Knickerbockers were the first baseball team to adopt a standardized uniform. Cartwright headed out west for the California Gold Rush in 1849, but instead of reaching California, he and his family established themselves on Oahu in the Hawaiian Islands. There, he continued in both of his passions, bringing baseball to the island and organizing a voluntary firefighting force. On December 27, 1850, King Kamehameha III signed an ordinance establishing the Honolulu Fire Department and appointed Cartwright to be its chief. He served in that capacity until 1863. Cartwright also established the first baseball field on the island. Legend has it that Abner Doubleday invented the game of baseball in 1839 playing its first games in Cooperstown, New York. 
But on June 3, 1953, the United States Congress officially recognized Alexander Cartwright Jr. as the creator of the modern game of baseball. He was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame as such in 1938. Cartwright died on July 12, 1892, and is interred at Oahu Cemetery. The New York City Fire Museum shop offers a wide selection of museum souvenirs and FDNY licensed products. To acknowledge the 20th anniversary of the tragic events of September 11, 2001, and the 343 members of the FDNY who gave their lives that day, we are offering several commemorative items, including a Maltese cross decal and lapel pin, a 9-11 Memorial Challenge coin, and a beautiful, high-quality 343 t-shirt. Proceeds from all sales help fulfill our mission to preserve, educate, and celebrate, and to remember the brave men and women of the FDNY, not just on September 11th, but every day. You can make purchases at the museum or online by visiting our website, www.nycfiremuseum.org forward slash shop. It was a cold and snowy night on February 14th, 1958, when fire was discovered in the Elkins Paper and Twine Company building at 137 to 139 Worcester Street, between West Houston and Prince Streets in Manhattan. When the FDNY communications office received the call at 6.23 p.m., the report indicated that fire and heavy smoke had already spread throughout the building. So they dispatched four engine and two ladder companies, as well as Rescue Company 1, two battalion chiefs, and the New York Fire Patrol. The building was overstocked with 800-pound rolls of paper that added to the burden of the heavy machinery on the upper floors. The building was over 100 years old at the time and was constructed with cast iron columns on the lower floors, supporting heavy timber, wood columns, and wood girders on the upper floors. Clearly, heavy fire in a building that depended on wood for strength compromised the ability of the structure to support all that heavy weight. As Ladder Company 20 was venting the roof of the building and members of Fire Patrol 1 were spreading salvage covers over the spools of paper stored on the third floor, the unmistakable sounds of a collapse were heard. Two of the men from Ladder 20, one of whom was the captain, dove out a window to the adjoining building, and Fire Patrol members positioned themselves against an outside wall in the hope that the collapse might only affect the center of the floor. But that would not be the case. The collapse was so complete, the rubble was piled as high as the third floor, with the bodies of two firefighters and four members of the fire patrol buried within. Rescue operations began immediately, but those efforts were hampered by the temperature hovering around four degrees Fahrenheit that night, along with a heavy snowfall. The fifth alarm assignment was supplemented by a citywide call for off-duty members to respond and assist. Approximately 500 members did so. The bodies of firefighters Bernard Blumenthal of Ladder 20 and William Schmid of Ladder 1, detailed to Ladder 20 that night, were recovered around 11 p.m. But those of the fire patrol members would not be found until five days after the fire. As I mentioned in the earlier segment of this podcast, fire patrol members were always at risk as they worked in any building on fire. On this night, the fire and subsequent collapse claimed the lives of fire patrolmen Louis Rusati, James Devine, Michael Tracy, and Sergeant Michael McGee, all from Fire Patrol 1. I recently heard it said 
that some fires in New York become identified with merely a name, such as the case for the Triangle Shirtwaist, 23rd Street, and Waldbaum fires. Certainly, the Worcester Street collapse is one of those infamous incidents that have gone down as one of the tragic moments in FDNY history that will never be forgotten, along with the lives it claimed. And now it's time for our throwback FDNY trivia segment. In each new episode of our podcast, we like to test your knowledge of the department by asking a question about a fact from our previous show. Here's this month's. What was the curious habit that Chief Hugh Bonner had when he was in command of a fire? The answer can be found in our last episode. And remember, you can listen to that and all of our previous episodes by going to nycfiremuseum.org slash throwbackfdny. The Throwback FDNY podcast is brought to you with the help of the FDNY and the FDNY Foundation, the official philanthropic organization of the department. I'm Gary Urbanowitz. I'll leave you with this important safety tip. Be extremely careful with any items you own that are powered by lithium-ion batteries. That includes cell phones, laptop computers, and especially e-bikes and scooters. Keep these items away from flammable objects and do not charge them unattended overnight. Lithium-ion batteries have the potential of getting overheated and even bursting into flames and can cause a fire spreading throughout your home. For more information on lithium-ion battery safety, visit fdnysmart.org. We could all do our part to be a partner with the fire department by promoting fire safety. Until next time, thank you and stay safe.